Welcome to Cryptonized, the show that interviews the crypto masters and their ideas on investing and the blockchain. And now here's your host, Mark Fidelman. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cryptonized. My guest today, Jem Kumlar of Liberium. He's the founder and CEO. And today we're going to talk about the problem of mass adoption in crypto and how to solve that. That's a big issue for me. I know it's a big issue for Jim. Jim, welcome to the show. Could you give us a little background about yourself, maybe a hundred words or less? Thank you for having me. A um, little background of myself. I've been uh, uh, active in the crypto industry for a couple of years now. Um, started as a small-time trader, um, got involved in the beginning of uh, 2017, uh, ended up uh, uh, with uh, yeah, doing very good at the end of 2017. And then um, I kind of recognized um, what was wrong with the crypto industry at that moment. And I came up with uh, Liberium. So that's a little backstory there. Okay. And we're going to jump into kind of a little bit more of your background and how you, you know, uh, were, let's just say, scammed by, by uh, an unscrupulous person in crypto. I know none of you have heard that happened before in crypto it seems to attract these players at least early on but the more we can expose them i think the better the industry will get Absolutely. so let me start with this you know jim can you give us a little bit uh of how you got into crypto and how liberium came to be and yeah, I think it's it's even before crypto started. Um, back in 2008, 2009, when uh, the, the markets crashed, um, I just uh, bought a, a house literally a month before the markets crashed. And um, yeah, it, it, it didn't went well. Um, I, I lost my job quite, uh, quite fast after that. And I figured to myself that there, there had to be something uh, other than what was happening at that time. Later on, the Occupy movement started. And although I agreed with what they were doing, I didn't believe that uh, sitting in a tent in front of uh, a bank would matter. And eventually it turned out it didn't matter at all. Um, then obviously came uh, the yeah, Bitcoin. Bitcoin uh, was born out of that idea um, of giving the, the people a, a different choice. Uh, it's like a, a pure thought, um, a different currency, uh, not uh, being dependent on banks. And, and that was what caught my attention, I think, somewhere between uh, 2012, 2013. And I now, started uh, yeah, looking... You- hmm? You were in the Netherlands, though, but you were following the Occupy Wall Street movement? Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, totally intriguing me. And, uh, yeah, I, I love being, uh, um, how do you call that, um, uh, defiant is my favorite uh, English word. <laughs> I think most yeah, people absolutely. in crypto are. But, I, I, you know, I really do. I think people in crypto, they're... They're disruptors or they're defiant just by nature. They don't like being bossed around. They don't want government messing around their business, and they certainly don't want government managing their money. So uh, I think that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I even believe that uh, most people that started with crypto uh, belong to the Occupy movement because it was literally the, the same idea behind uh, both 
of the uh, um, yeah both of uh, crypto and the Occupy movement. It was uh, being uh, freed from the oppression of the banks, of the one percent, uh, having uh, the chance to build their own economy. Um, a couple of years later, it turns out that exactly those people that started Bitcoin and have the early backs of thousand Bitcoin here, two thousand Bitcoin there, actually became the one percent they uh, hate. It hated so much in the past. They became them themselves. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's true because it's uh, funny how that works. It, absolutely, um, and yeah, and that's the reason why I also came up with my own plan. I figured uh, mass adoption. Looking at, uh, for example, uh, Uber or um, Google, uh, even the euro. Um, why is the euro mass uh, adopted by the masses, even though most of us um, voted against using the euro as a currency? We all, everybody in Europe wanted to have their own currency, Deutschmark, uh, Dutch guilders, uh, Spanish pesetas, uh, Belgian francs, France francs. We didn't want the euro. Uh, at, the end, uh, at the end, they pushed it through our, uh, uh, upon us and we silently uh, agreed using it but they made it mandatory payment you couldn't pay uh, anywhere without using the euro so we had to do it i think if we uh, want to achieve mass adoption we have to come up with an idea that people have to use uh, the cryptocurrency um yeah and it's I think it's really easy if you if you think of it uh, looking at the, at it from that perspective, uh, um, making it mandatory payment. Now it's all uh, free to choose. You can't pay with Bitcoin. You can't pay with Ethereum. You can't pay with whatever coin possible. Uh, you can think of as long as it's possible and as long as it's accepted. But would you choose? Uh, would you be able to pay with crypto? Um, let's say. Let me put it differently. Um, I know I can use it. I know how to use it. I know when to use it and where to use it. But that's me. I'm in the industry for, um, I think, seven, eight, seven years now. So I've, I've, I've been along the track and I've saw it evolve. Now I want to add my, uh, my mother to the crypto because that's what mass adoption is about. Um, she totally doesn't understand crypto. She totally doesn't understand what a blockchain is. She totally doesn't understand um, the uh, how to um, install like uh, a wallet or whatever. But what she does know is how to open WhatsApp, how to open uh, uh, Candy Crush. She knows those things, and and then mass adoption becomes a lot easier if you think of it. Um, if you see those things, um, making it easier for people to use uh, means that adoption is uh, yeah, literally around, around it, it has the to be easier. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. the problem. It's so difficult to make it work well and to make it easy for the, the average everyday person to use. It's, it's just incredibly onerous. And uh, that once that hurdle is overcome, I think we're going to see a lot more people adopt it. But I, yeah, absolutely, and I and I hope that I am uh, part of that uh, uh, of that movement, removing those hurdles. Um, so tell tell us about. I mean, you you started Liberium. What that has more to do with football, right? Did it have to do with you know removing uh, obstacles to crypto adoption as well? 
Um, yeah, basically it combines those two. Um, why football? It's not only football, actually. Liberium is meant, uh, 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 the idea behind Liberium is to purchase a sports club in every country. And we want to start with football clubs because, yeah, football is the most popular sport in the world. Um, in every country, you, you know, everybody knows somebody who's a passionate fan of a football club or a soccer club, as they call it in, uh, in the U.S. Um, and even in the U.S., if we don't choose uh, to purchase uh, a football club, uh, um, a soccer club, we, e we even can uh, scale to uh, an NBA club or a, f a literal American football club, uh, ice hockey, um, Basically, any sport that has a lot of uh, attendance, uh, a lot of fans, uh, is very interesting for the Liberian project because we aim to afford those masses. That's the first thing we want to do. Um, people, um, what, what people uh, um, ask us, uh, what Liberia adds to the blockchain, and I'm literally saying, Liberium adds nothing of technology because the technology is already there, but there's no users for the for that technology. We have the most beautiful uh, uh, wallets and whatnot. Um, everything is connected. Every, every, you can find a problem and a solution for everything, but there are no users. It's all people from the industry uh, working together, uh, binding together, using the stuff uh, uh, amongst themselves. But from the outside, nobody, nobody left uh, Facebook for Steemit, for example. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's but, not going to happen. And I, I don't yeah. think the voice is going to do anything uh, from EOS either to reduce the – I mean, I haven't no. seen it. I'm on the beta list, but I haven't seen it. I, I, I don't think that's going to happen either. Yeah, what you need is something disruptive, something that has never been done before and something right. that's bold I enough agree. to to uh, to – claim um, the disruptiveness, to claim uh, the grasp of mass adoption. And I think Liberium is that exactly that, because we aim um, to uh, have the fans, sponsors, uh, merchandise, everything in and around the clubs that we purchase or that we get at least 51% shares of, because then we can have a say of what's going on within the club. We aim to have those payments mandatory. Okay, I will tell you what happens when those payments are mandatory. Uh, first of all, people have to adopt. Um, they have to adapt and adopt. Um, and because we own the club, we also have like direct uh, marketing uh, channels. We can use the Twitter, the Facebook, uh, even the stadiums where we can hold like Liberian conferences and teach everybody about how to install uh, the Trust app, uh, the Coinomi app, my Ether wallet, how to use uh, Ether for gas, where to purchase it, and how to create their own economy using Liberium. Because, you know, among those fans are people that have their own businesses too, that have employees, that have um, connections with uh, other businesses. And once we teach them that by using Liberium as a payment method within their own businesses too, they will start understanding that if they do so, they don't have to use a bank anymore and they don't have to pay taxes as long as it's within the network and that will be the key of more mass adoption in my opinion yeah okay well i i i, I kind of buy into that I, I think there's a few more things that 
need to take place. Um, but uh, you know, it's it's, it's interesting. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I I agree with you. But I think if you look at if you strip everything uh, from um, like like we discussed earlier, if you strip everything that's uh, complicated and make it as simple as possible, uh, kiss principle. Keep it stupid simple. Um, then everybody will understand what their benefit is by using uh, Liberia as a payment method, by holding onto Liberia, because we will keep buying clubs, keep purchasing clubs, and thus adding more demand to our network. Thus, so the first people coming in will have the most benef benefit from holding onto their tokens if they choose to do so, if they choose to um, uh, use it for the benefit of their club. Uh, who they uh, who they are fan of, um, then they can do that too. But they can do it by using it. In fact, the more people use it, the more the value will increase. But that's not the true goal of it because um, I sincerely believe the more people are will start using it, the, the more the value will increase. Obviously, that's uh, economics 101. Huh? Because there's a set supply, but the the value will the demand will increase due to us adding new fans, new sponsors, new uh, whatever you can uh, think of in and around the stadium. Um, so, but that's not the key. I want to create that economy that Occupy started. Uh, ten, more, over ten years ago, uh, that uh, blockchain that uh, that Bitcoin started. Uh, so long ago, I want to do that. I, I want to be able to say, look, th this is what the idea, the initial idea. These are the tools and the club is the vessel and the mass adoption is the key. And then we will break free from the banks, from the IRS, from whoever is in control, th because that's what we want. That's yeah. And that's me being defiant. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, yeah, and as I said earlier, you, you kind of need to be this early in, in the game. And I know Bitcoin's been around for a while, but it's still very early in the large scheme of things. I mean, how long how, how long has money been around? And how long has, have banks been around? I mean, these things are institutionalized, so it's going to take some time to break in, and it's going to become easier. Um, however, you know, you've got a lot of forces working against it. Uh, Absolutely. So yeah. let's get into your story around being scammed in this industry. Uh, I know a lot of people can relate to this. Uh, maybe not your story specifically, but you know, I always like highlighting these things to make sure that uh, it doesn't happen to somebody else. Um, yeah, um, um, I want to share my story. I, um, I, I will tell you what I can because we're still in a lawsuit and I cannot give yeah. you too much information. Um, I, I don't think people... Uh, that there are too many secrets online. If you start Googling, you'll find it soon enough. Yeah. Um, so we had a private sale, and from that private sale, we uh, managed to accumulate uh, a, a certain amount. Uh, during that time, we had two opportunities um, with the Dutch club and a Spanish club. And uh, we decided to move forward with the Spanish club because it was bigger. There were much opportunities within uh, the Spanish club, um, bigger stadium, uh, Spanish uh, league. Um, so, uh, and our contacts in Spain were like very uh, welcoming. We went to Spain, we agreed on, a, uh, we, we signed an agreement and we decided to move forward with the Spanish club. 
But as you know, in crypto, uh, crypto companies are um, not allowed to have a bank account because, yeah, we're opposing banks. So that would be crazy of banks to give us actually bank accounts. So we had trouble uh, finding our way um, and moving uh, forward with the purchase. So what we eventually did was find uh, an attorney, uh, people that uh, a person that you should be able to trust. Um, um, we agreed uh, to have her as uh, our contact with uh, the Spanish club, sign the deal in the name of us, uh, on behalf of us. And we then would use her escrow account as the account that the money would flow through to the club. So we instructed all our investors to, um, to transfer the money. And, uh, and then we waited to uh, on the green light from the club uh, because yeah everything was set in motion and we waited and we waited and we waited and one week went by two wow, weeks went one by week. yeah and uh, eventually after three weeks uh, i decided to uh, yeah <laughs> to yeah to start uh, to get behind it and that was a mistake back then um unfortunately uh, the attorney was clever because she made all involved parties sign an NDA, and NDA was like a really big uh, uh, penalty. Wow. So we, we all shut our mouths, we all waited and until she would handle it. But yeah, after three weeks, I got in touch with her and I was like, okay, why aren't you forwarding the money? And she was like, yeah, you know, um, I'm keeping it right now because I have found a different investor and he's able to uh, put in 200 million and uh, this name, that name. And we have to uh, wait another week because they're like uh, liquidizing assets and then they will come up with the money. And and the story went bigger and bigger and bigger um, became bigger and bigger and bigger. And and then I, I didn't trust it at that time. And um, a couple of weeks later, a lot of happened. A lot happened during those weeks. It, it is not that we uh, like uh, sat down on our asses and did nothing. We we tried to do everything we could in our power to get the money moved from A to B, but it didn't. And wow. eventually, she like yeah ran off with the money and ran that's, off. Yeah, she took you know where off. She is? Uh, yeah, I, I, I know where she is, at least I think I know where she is. Um, but we started the lawsuit against her in Spain. Um, so it's, uh, uh, it's taking a while. Uh, it took us a while to prepare because we had to get all the investors involved, all the parties involved, um, who had like a connection with uh, the club and uh, with us who could uh, vote uh, in front uh, in favor of us who could speak in favor uh, in favor of us so we had to uh, get everything uh, settled with those people obviously uh, during that time uh, some people yeah thought that we were exit scamming that we were like uh, yeah using that money for our own uh, benefits or our own course. advantages yeah, yeah it happens um so and what but, what uh, how much was it total uh yeah, I think I'm not at liberty okay, that's to. Fine. Yeah, it was I'm, a lot of money. It was a lot of money. Yeah, it was enough money to uh, to fulfill the first terms with the club. Okay. All right. So, where do you stand with the club now? Are they like, well, you know, it's not my problem that your attorney absconded with 
are no, 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 absolutely not. Those, uh, the, the shareholders were like, uh, yeah, it's not that we've become best friends, but they were very nice, uh, very helpful. They, uh, uh, they only spoke uh, good about us. Uh, even in the news, they didn't, um, uh, they didn't like bash us. They didn't give us a bad, bad reputation. We've held contact up until um, late November, uh, yeah, 2019. And because at that moment they managed to sell the club to a different uh, party and yeah it happens um, as long as we didn't pay they had the liberty to to negotiate with others and so they did and uh, yeah i think november 2019 they sold the club to a different party mm, okay. but uh, we're we're good uh, so it's not that we're blaming each other there's nothing to blame actually yeah uh, other than uh, us uh, trusting a person that's actually trustworthy due to her occupation and yeah nobody could have foreseen that so that's the lesson that we've learned and that's the lesson i think i should share with uh, the rest of the community um as long as it's not set in stone uh, don't trust it it's um like i discussed with joe uh, a couple of days ago um out of the 10 people you speak with nine try to scam you and the 10th uh, people, a uh, person thinks that you are the scammer. So that's the industry we're working in right now. Um, the, the strong will survive. Um, what would you have done differently there? You know, anyone listening to this that's got an attorney uh, that's setting up the same thing, what would you advise they do next time? Uh, absolutely get a second opinion and a third opinion and a fourth opinion. On what specifically? Uh, on uh, the possibilities using uh, the escrow if uh, we would have known uh, that it would uh, that that what she has done would be possible then we would have chosen a different route um, because at that time we had the money we had the agreement um, and we only had to go to the notary to uh, finalize the agreement and we would have been owners and instead of uh, pushing it um, and using the escrow we easily could have waited another month to finalize it uh, to perfection. And who mm. knows what uh, chances would have come up in those time, in, in that period. But we yeah. didn't because, yeah, at, uh, literally we were heading, we were uh, postponing the, uh, the, the, the appointment with the notary. We literally were postponing. Wow. Now, so the, so the escrow, usually escrow is set up so that both parties have to sign off on it before funds are released. So the attorney must have set it up that only her signature was, was needed. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I cannot uh, tell you anything about it. Um, yeah. As well, because it's like, yeah. All right. Not so I, I'm, but, just, yeah. I'm just, I'm just, we're in the middle of the lawsuit. So I cannot yeah. tell you too much about it. Okay. So I'm just guessing by the way. So, uh, you know, <laughs> you, he, you haven't told me anything offline about this. I'm just guessing, but typically in an escrow like that, two parties have to sign off on it. But yeah, that's what anyway. I learned uh, afterwards. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving on. So that i'm sorry about that and i'm sorry it happened to you and uh, i'm sure most of the credible crypto people that are out there listening to this feel the same way and we got to eliminate these scammers and and we got to point them out and hold them up as examples as as to you know people that you need to look out for and and we all need to learn lessons from this so yeah let's let's move on to uh mass adoption and, and how to scale can you give us you know, kind of your thoughts around that and, you know, what your 
going to do with Liberium or what's going to do when you had the funds and what, so just get kind of give us a, a thumbnail uh, kind of overview on, on, on what this means. Um, yeah. Um, should I tell you about the approach or? Um... Yeah, the approach. Let's start with the approach because a lot of crypto companies are out there, blockchain companies uh, that are out there, you know, they, they have got a great idea. They put things in motion. Let's say they're a gaming company, but then they run into a wall. And, and that wall is what we've already talked about, which is getting mass adoption because yep. you, you, it's hard to onboard them. Uh, one of my clients, Wax, has got a way of onboarding people using the Wax Cloud Wallet. It works extremely well, but you know, getting money or getting crypto to the Wax Wallet, that you know, you still have those hurdles. So, what what do you advise companies uh, on? What's the process of of helping them scale? Um, I think uh, focus on uh, um, finding scalability outside the industry um i think that's the key uh, in in and everything really um it's it's the hardest thing to do because we're very focused on um scaling within the industry um we're uh, uh trying to connect uh that uh, application with that chain and using uh that uh, wallet with uh, that coin or token and it's all beautiful and it's all very smooth and very uh, futuristic. Um, my children wouldn't understand what I'm doing uh, if I told them. But if I tell them I purchase football clubs and make everybody pay in my, my, my currency, then they absolutely understand what I'm doing. It's that simple. And I can use the, uh, use the I, I can tell them, yeah, if I want them, to, I want the people to pay in, um, in, uh, uh, in berries, then I have them pay in berries. If I agreed to accept berries as payment, then people can pay, pay me in berries or um, or clams or uh, pearls or whatever. Uh, as long as I, um, agree, yeah, I find it a suitable payment, then people can pay me in that uh, currency. But the problem is, and that, that's um, the reason why we are using blockchain uh, and the cryptocurrency, um, as soon as I have to pay my um, uh, the, uh, top of my chain, uh, so um, my um, deliveries, my goods, my services, my people, uh, then paying in berries would become a problem. Mm. Because they don't accept berries, because they have to, yeah, to pay their own people, their rent, uh, employees, and so on. And they know berries won't work. But if I can show them what the use of Liberium, what the benefit will be by using Liber as a payment, then they will gladly adopt it. And then it works both ways. Uh, it works uh, to the masters and to the people that are looking to to, uh, to bind with the masses. You, in fact, by using Liber, you can become a sponsor of a club without even being a sponsor. Hmm. How do you do that? Yeah, well, just uh, buy a bag of uh, Liber and uh, become a holder of that uh, bag. But so how is it and, tied to it, though? I mean, the token's tied to it somehow? 
<laughs> no, um, yeah, um, as discussed earlier, we have like a set supply, 100 million tokens. Um, and from that 100 million, we, um, yeah, we keep adding demand. 20,000 people from uh, Spanish club uh, fans, 20,000 fans from uh, uh, Italian club, 30,000 fans from a German club, 100,000 fans from an uh, English club, um, 50,000 fans from a uh, Vietnamese club. I'm just, I'm, I'm just counting some numbers uh, at the top of my right. head. But uh, eventually we'll, we'll have like 1 million, 2 million active users on the chain. So with the set supply and that amount of users, um, and I'm not even counting uh, sponsorship income because, uh, yeah, that will also, um, on average, I calculated around 7 million uh, US dollars per club um, will be the demand from sponsors for LIBOR. So can you imagine what will happen if we have like 20 clubs in that network and uh, 20 clubs have an average demand of 7 million per season for that club then you have a set demand of uh, uh, 25 yeah 20 <laughs> okay. no i'm i'm still uh, with the i'm still in my head with uh, with the with everything that happened just an hour ago, so um, uh, twenty times seven. Twenty times uh, one hundred forty. Exactly, you have a set demand of one hundred and forty million dollars per season, and you know it is there because it will be transparent and uh, for everybody yeah. to notice. And you know uh, how much uh, the income from sponsoring will be because we will communicate it, and so that's. For but how do you get, how does that tie back to the token though? It's one thing to say, where's the value in the token related to the sponsorship? Yeah, if you pay, uh, if you must go to the market and purchase $140 million uh, worth of tokens out mm -hmm. of any exchange, yep. that's the value. Because by purchasing it, you will uh, immediately increase the value. As a sponsor, you can then can choose to either deposit the whole amount of tokens or you keep uh, whatever's left after you uh, transfer 140 million worth of uh, tokens. Mm. Because okay. the, yeah, due, to due to the price increase. Also, we have transfers, huh? Tra transferring players. On average, uh, with the clubs we are targeting at this moment, on average, a transfer fee will be, uh, transfer income per season will be around two to five million uh, per season. So, so you see this 140 million, they buy the tokens and then if they want to sell the tokens, you see the problem unless there's 140 million people willing to or 140 million in demand on the other side, that, that could be an issue. So or how no, you no, no, obviously, yeah, what, what we will do, obviously, we have uh, thought about that with um, with fans, it will be a, a lot harder to keep them holding on to the token, but we don't expect um, a demand of 140 million. Um, well, with the like fans, with the fans, Jim, you could just say, 
hey, if you stake these tokens, you get discounts on football items or... Exactly. You can, uh, yeah. you can give them something to uh, work with. With sponsors, it's usually just a couple of parties, uh, 20 sponsors in total. Um, with, with these, we can discuss fasting periods. And we can, we will discuss fasting periods. So you'll become a sponsor for three years. Okay, then you'll get, uh, you'll have to uh, hold on to for three years to that token and you pay us uh, every month, uh, a month worth of uh, your sponsorship money, sponsorship deal. And you, uh, you agree to um, promote the token to your employees and to your customers. So they will act actively uh, be engaged in creating a network that will spill like an oil, oil spill. Okay, all right. And we had those talks. We, we've had those talks with sponsors. We had, to talk, we had those talks with uh, uh, fans in the past. So we know it will happen. Uh, we know it can happen that way. And we know people will be engaged. As long as okay. we have a club. And that's the key in this. <laughs> we need to have a club. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay. All right. So um, let's wrap things up. Very inter interesting uh, discussion. Um, my, last, my question I ask everybody is, in 100 words or less, if you could invest a fictional $100,000 in one or two cryptos, what would they be and why? Um, yeah, obviously, Liberium. Because, uh, yeah, it's my company. I, w I couldn't <laughs> say anything else, <laughs> really. <laughs> no to be honest, I, I've, I, I've invested uh, $100,000 uh, uh, in different cryptos in the past, and uh, some turned out good gases and some turned out uh, bad gases. Um, but at this That's moment... That's the nature yeah, of crypto. You win some, you lose some. and it's, You do. Same in the stock yeah. market as well. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. can you imagine what will happen uh, if you know with, uh, with Liberium, we have the clubs, we have 20 clubs, 50 clubs, whatever. Um, you know exactly up front when the uh, demand will increase, obviously yeah. around games, obviously during transfer season, and obviously uh, around times that we are um, signing new sponsorship deals. So, yeah. It's okay. one-on-one for day traders. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so how do people get a hold of you if they have any questions or they want to reach out to you or they want to, you know, buy Liberium? How, how do they get a hold of you? If they want to uh, have a discussion about it, I think the best thing to contact me is uh, through LinkedIn. Um, yeah, my, I think uh, my LinkedIn or my name will be... Uh, visible after the interview so yeah. just google it uh, off google it just connect with me on linkedin um then we can have discussion if you want to be part of the network if you want to invest um head over to liberium.shop um, you can uh, take a look at our explainer video and at our um, easy to read white paper um, also you can connect with us on telegram uh, twitter uh, facebook that the uh, obvious channels. Okay. Well, Jim, it's been a wonderful discussion. Thanks for sharing kind of that, you know, your background, your story. I mean, how you were scammed by an attorney. Uh, we'll be following the story. Um, and please let us know <laughs> what ends up happening because uh, it will, wow, it will be known. Yeah. Yeah. It will be known. I mean, I can't imagine how, 
what kind of excuse that she has for this, but you know, it, it is the crypto space. So we'll not we'll, uh, the fun thing is I know what excuse she uses. So uh, <laughs> it, it right. will be known in the future. I promise you that. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much and good luck with everything. And um, let's stay in touch. Okay, Mark, thank you for having me. <laughs> Have a nice day. Bye bye. A reminder that we are not financial advisors and anything we talk about or refer to on the show should not be considered or construed as financial advice. We encourage you to do your own research and come to your own conclusions.